0: Hey friends, I appreciate you tuning in to the Deal Farm Podcast, where I hope you feel at least mildly entertained and possibly even inspired to take big action towards improving your life and your business. On this episode, Kevin and I talk about a little known strategy that investors and builders can use to extract massive profits from deals that may not otherwise look like deals. Stay tuned in as we dive into the details. Kevin,
1: what is shaking, my man? It's a Wednesday, and it's a phenomenal day. Could not be better. Couldn't be better? Are you sure about that? Couldn't be better. Impossible. Man. man. It's so good I had a V8 for breakfast. I was going to say,
0: was it coffee or V8? It
1: sounds like it, it was, was a V8. It was both. I had I had two coffees, <laughs> and I had a big old V8. I had my vegetable juice for the
0: morning. I'm feeling phenomenal. You know, I couldn't do V8 forever. I mean, what kid can do V8? Like, you can't do V8. But I think it wasn't until I, like, acquired a taste for a Bloody Mary I was like. (laughs) I was going to say, that's what happens is, yeah, once you acquire a taste for Bloody Marys, it's
1: like, I think I just want (laughs) vegetable juice for breakfast. That's, with a little hot sauce and some salt. Oh, that makes for a great breakfast. And it was not a Bloody Mary. It was just a V8. That's all it was. was There
0: was no vodka or celery sticks in your, uh. V8. Well,
1: now no, that you mention it, that's actually sounds not too
0: late. It's still morning. you still it's time still to long. have a I should, I should have had a V8.
1: Yeah. I had a V8. It was phenomenal. It was made for a great day.
0: You're you're set then, man. You got your veggies and your caffeine. You're yeah. ready to go.
1: A little jittery. Got some serotonin going on. And it's a beautiful day. That's the other thing. In the morning, the sun is out. Open up the blinds. We got a bunch of windows here and just the sun shining in. Just like it is a good morning.
0: I like that, man. I like
1: that. Yeah. Do um, you try to get sunlight on your skin real quick? Like that's a big deal, right? To start the day with sunlight on your skin.
0: Uh, you know, it's tough because it's been winter, but it is my intention, really kind of starting now. It's not just your skin, it's your eyes. Because it <laughs> sets your circadian rhythm, right? If you uh yep. if you get some quick sunlight, even like 10 minutes right out of the gates. And it will help you with your sleep later that night because it's setting the right. rhythm.
1: Yeah, you know, and if I can just—I'm not good in the mornings. I'm not a morning person until I've had my coffee and V8. But if I can open the blinds, get sunlight, especially if I can just step outside and just get a little fresh air, get that sun directly on my skin. It's like boom, I'm up, I'm awake, it's, I'm good for the day. And yep. and the unfortunate thing is, if I want to go back to bed, forget it, I'm done.
0: Like I'm up. Oh no, I'm yeah, up at that point once there's light in your eyes, that's it. I, yep. you know I sometimes do it at lunch if, you know, cause my day starts pretty quick. I get going, but then if I can take a, even a 20 minute lunch and go outside and eat outside to me, that's, it, it definitely, I know we've talked about dopamine and serotonin. It definitely increases all those wonderful feel good chemicals when you can get some real sunlight on your skin. And even in the middle of the day, it works for me. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. So how about you? How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, man. Couldn't be better. I did not have a V8, but I did have some coffee. So so that was good. Yeah, um, now, do, am, you do, do you do Keurig? Are you a Keurig guy? Do you, do you brew? Do you do a pour over? Occasionally. I do at the office. It depends. If I'm at home, I'm brewing it. If I'm at the office, I'm using Keurig. But uh, I think Keurig has been known for, nobody cleans their Keurigs. That's the problem. So if you use one that everybody's using, you know that the lines on that thing are just full of mold mm-hmm. and whatever. It's just gross. I don't even want to know. Okay.
1: Have you ever descaled a Keurig? Then it smells and tastes like, I guess I've never done it right, but then it's like vinegar for the next like couple of days. So.
0: Nobody cleans their Keurigs. No, I mean, they should, but nobody does. That's why they're just kind of disgusting. Yes. Especially if you use one like at a hotel. I'll tell you why I'm excited, man, because I'm uh, i am leaving town tomorrow and I, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about it.
1: Spring break, right? We're right on the doorstep of spring break. You're getting out to town a little early. Excited yep. for you. Where yep. are you going?
0: We're going to do a little bit of San Diego, which I love San Diego. We're going to do a little bit of uh, Mexico down the West coast of Mexico. Never been down there. Nice. Ensenada, Cabo, Puerto Vallarta. Going to try not to get murdered. It's going to be a good time.
1: Yeah. Mexico. Be careful. You know, I spent some time in San Diego too. You got to be careful. The folks there, they don't go into, they don't go into Mexico, but
0: no, if you're no, on a cruise ship man, you're just doing ports, that should be fine. That's kind of what I figure. Where well, I'm trying to get outside the the main city center. Yeah, just keep a a close eye on those kids. We need to check back in two weeks when I get back and uh, see if I've officially gained 10 pounds. That's the goal. If if I go on a cruise and have not gained 10 pounds, then what's the point? Cruise buffet, man. That's what it's about.
1: Well, while you're out of town, I'm going to build a swing set. I'm building a swing set, play set for the boys
0: during spring day. That's my goal. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Some swings, monkey bars, fort, that whole thing. Oh, dang. Well, that mm-hmm. sounds pretty serious. Two-bed lumber is so dang expensive. You're going to drop $500 just on materials for that just
1: thing. Just in the wood. Well, you know, once they get old enough, I'll disassemble it and use it on a repair somewhere. Build out a stump <laughs>
0: You'll probably something. yeah, build a treehouse or something with it.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'll recycle it.
0: Um, so spring break. I'm excited. I'm stoked about spring break, too. I'm, I'm My goal, actually, on this trip is to do a little reading up on uh, AI. Because I feel like you can't anytime I check any social media any Twitter anything it's the conversation is AI and we got to figure out Kevin how do we leverage AI toward to the business there's got to be some there's, interesting cool ways to do this
1: there has to be and I, I just actually typed in Ken Corsini riding a dragon to a sunset and yeah. it gave me a picture actually just now I should share this with you you can I'd like it's to a, see it just
0: amazing yeah you know, I'm gonna share my screen so you can uh let's see it, this yeah
1: yeah did it actually
0: find a picture of me i know there's some ridiculous pictures on
1: it yeah there's stuff out there but it's like it's amazing how this came up with this so quick and easy here can you see this and it did
0: find me let me see this
1: there you go i don't see you on it but i see the dragon (laughs) the dragon isn't that funny
0: i'd have been way it would have been way cooler if my face had been in there somewhere i was hoping i was hoping gpt let me down yeah maybe Uh next time the funny thing, whenever you type, uh, type my name into Google, it's you know how Google always wants to prompt like, "Hey, is this this is what you should ask about Ken Corsini?" So that yeah. was, I was like, "Ken Corsini net worth, Ken Corsini height." Yeah. One of my buddies <laughs> typed it in, and it said, "Ken Corsini shirt off." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "That's what Google wanted him to see was Ken Corsini yes. shirt off." I'm just God tell that you, that there's
1: enough sure. people out there who've asked about that.
0: <laughs> Apparently, yeah. This is what people are asking about. <laughs> that's what people want to know. Thank God there's not a picture of Ken Corsini's shirt off on the internet. That would uh,
1: not yet. It would break not until
0: Cabo. Once you get
1: through Cabo, then there <laughs> might be Just wait.
0: Yeah. It would definitely break
1: the internet. You so know, what's funny what is, is when you type in my name, your picture shows up, you know, you'll get some pictures of me, you know, being <laughs> in college or university or trips or whatever. And then boom, Ken shows up like, Oh, that, that's actually my brother, but that's I mean, okay. You can look yeah. at him too.
0: I'm taking over your name and profile on the internet. And
1: there's somebody is there anybody out there with your name? There's two different people that have my name. Yeah, there's name.
0: A dude in New Jersey that's got my name. Yeah. So their their pictures come up sometimes. Yeah. Unfortunately for them, they got to share it with me. Sorry.
1: So how would you use AI for real estate investing?
0: Man, I've seen a handful of guys post some stuff out there. So, um you can just straight up ask uh information from GPT, not necessarily for content, but just as almost like a search engine research. So I've seen people that have posted searches that they've done. Like, Hey, uh, tell, give me information on the best places to invest for Airbnb that cap rate it. I mean, like really oddly specific questions. And then chat GPT will spit out like researched information. Yeah. Which is to me, that's crazy that it's, it must scour the internet, figure it out, kind of do the research and then spit it out.
1: Yeah. So you could actually find out like what are the best markets for, say, investing. I just typed in how to find off market properties for investment. It's it's thinking. And check this out. There are several ways to find off market properties for investment. And it just gave me seven ways to do it.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, there's so much that doesn't surprise me because there's a lot of articles and content out there for for finding off market properties. But you can, what, what I think is would be more useful for the average person who has a website is to generate content. Yes. Yeah. Where j- write, write, a, write an article. You know, a, a thousand word article, a blog about something very specific. And then they've created content for, and you could always go back and spin it a little bit into your voice if you needed to. Mm-hmm. But what's cool about chat GBT is you can ask it to, to write in a certain voice. Yes. I even, we even did one and asked it to write in pirate language and it, it literally <laughs> spit out the most amazing pirate language I've ever seen. <laughs> That's
1: hilarious. So you know, the other so I'm like you, whatever I'm on Twitter, social media, everybody's talking about artificial AI, chat, GPT, all the things that it can do. But the other thing I see a ton of is newsletters. Like everybody's doing newsletters now. Do you think True. people are using AI to write their newsletters for them?
0: At the, uh, probably at least a framework, at least some of the, like, if, even if it's not word for word, absolutely. Yeah. Give me some, because again, it's, it's sort of doing some of the research for you mm-hmm. and giving you a framework and then you can kind of fill in the blanks if, if you wanted to, but. I think people that especially that are content creators are absolutely leveraging ai right now to generate content yeah why would you uh, not it's just right. there for it's low-hanging fruit
1: yeah yeah well we got to think about this Well, right? there, there's got to be a way that we can we can leverage this to the advantage uh of the franchisees right for the folks that are in the business. Well
0: at the very least, it's just content for SEO. I mean that's that's how your average person who has any sort of website out there should be using it is just generate a ton of content using the keywords that you're after and yep. post it everywhere.
1: So. Yeah, agreed. Well you know last week we talked uh you know I had a great conversation about getting uh professional photography for homes. Uh, I'm sure, and I showed you something this week or was it last week about doing headshots using AI where you just upload. I'm sure in the coming months and years, people are going to figure out how to use it just to improve listings as well. Getting it in front of the right market.
0: Yep, yep, yeah, absolutely. Who are the people that are buying in this zip code and how do I get all, I mean, I'm, you can just about ask it anything. And here's, here's what's crazy too about AI. This is the tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. This baby hadn't even been born yet. This thing is still, I mean, it's just on the cusp of coming. And then, and then what is the world going to look like five years from now, 10 years from now? How many times are going to be lost because of it? Well, what's scary is, you know, it, it, it's not just
1: intelligent where, you know, it finds information and spits out information in a particular voice, but it can actually do vocals to match someone. And also like video, like you can, you know, make it look like someone, make it sound like someone, put words in their mouth. I mean, yeah. very quickly we're going to get to a spot where we don't know if we're talking to a real person or not.
0: It's almost there. I mean, the I've, you've seen the deep fakes online. Yeah. It's it's crazy how much they – I saw somebody the other day, it was on Twitter, who he recorded himself like doing some, a line of rap or whatever it was a, or a song, and then he turned around and turned on like the Kanye filter, and it sounded exactly – like it had, it had been said by Kanye West. Yeah. So how, well, going it, forward how are how are you going to know which artists if it was even them singing or yeah. making Well, have you or... seen the the deep
1: fakes of like the the movies where they put like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the in the in the spot of, you know, whoever was actually the real actor? I mean, it's like that really and there's some guy online who does uh Tom Cruise and it's just like that really looks like you. Like it really is very convincing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, it's it's we're entering a brave new world that's going to be really tricky to navigate.
1: Our kids are, are going to grow up in a completely different world. You know, I thought it was amazing when we got a remote control for the TV. It's like wirelessly changing the channel. I didn't have to get up and actually click, click, click The, the world our kids are growing up in. they are going to be so different.
0: I wonder, you know, think about the big shift that took place like in the late 90s when the internet really took hold and mm-hmm. and what a fundamental shift it was in society. I kind of feel like AI, we're on the cusp of another giant fundamental shift. A giant society. leap forward. Where just we don't even realize it. Thing. Yeah, it's right underneath our feet. Right now it's about to happen. Yeah. Well, yeah, so an
1: example of just sort of how things change so dramatically right under your feet. Our dad just bought a Tesla, right? Just got his first yep. Tesla this last week. You got a chance to drive it, right?
0: Oh, yeah crazy
1: and he, he said it is the best car he's ever owned mom says it's like a spaceship you drove it right i mean it's just it's amazing, so yeah. very different
0: even driving because it's yeah it's it's electric and this it's not combustible engine you're not coasting the, i think the weirdest thing was when you take your foot off the gas it's almost effectively like hitting the brake mm-hmm. and it's and it actually what is crazy is it's actually charging when you do that it's using some of that kinetic energy to, to charge it but yeah, the whole experience is just unbelievable. You know, I've actually got a, a reservation for a cyber truck. I can't I wait for those things to come out. I know. Are you, you going to have it wrapped or are you going to keep it stainless? Oh, I'm 100% going to wrap that sucker and something obnoxious. I want it to be as obnoxious as possible so that, like, when I drive down the road, nobody has any doubt who that is. It's and the I, Red Barnmobile. It's the Red Barnmobile. <laughs> oh, it's going to be so obnoxious. I mean, it already looks a little bit obnoxious. Might as well wrap it in something Lean stupid. It, yeah. Yeah, I'm all be- right. So the world is
1: changing. Cars are different. Artificial intelligence. I mean, everything is changing so dramatically and so quickly. What does that mean for real estate? What do you think that means, you know, in our industry with, with real estate, real estate investing? I mean, is it all going to look totally different? I mean, they say that, you know, invest in land and properties because you know they don't make any more of it. How, how do you think it's changing?
0: I mean, I don't see any dramatic shifts in the in like the fundamental ways that we do real estate right now. I know, you know, with the internet, everybody was like, Oh, we're never going to need real estate agents again. It's, you're just going to buy online like Carvana. If that's, it's just still not really the case. I mean, people yeah. still need agents. They still need that belly to belly interface with other folks. They still want to walk it and see it and touch it and smell it. And I think there it, it is gradually it, commissions are probably over time going to get reduced because of the efficiencies of the internet. But for now, I mean, I don't see any big fundamental shifts because of AI or because of the internet. I mean, I think f- me personally, it still feels like the way we were doing real estate, obviously you have market cycles and the market cycle we're where now is very different than it was 10 years ago, but the way in which we transact hasn't changed that much, at least in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I mean, you figure people buy homes, they live in homes, they need to sell homes off market properties typically are, are opportunities because life happens. You right. know, whether it's a death or divorce or someone just needs to cash out and the transactions for real estate and properties primarily are relationship based. Right. It's it's who, you know, it's building that relationship and people are people and relationships still matter. And that doesn't seem to be shifting in such dramatic ways as the rest of the world with technology.
0: Yeah. I think what maybe what one of the bigger shifts that we've felt here in the last several years is just the amount of institutional money that's sort of poured into, into real estate, where there's so many larger hedge funds that are, that have scooped up so much of the real estate that they've edged a lot of other people out mm-hmm. and they've, you know, their buying criteria is, is just way more liberal. They don't, they, don't, they can make two and 3% return on their money and be content versus your average investor, average homeowner where those numbers don't work. And so, they've, they've probably played a pretty big role in inventory still being a little bit scarce, obviously that and interest rates. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think if we've, if I've at least in my tenure in real estate since the last 18 years, that's, I think what I felt in 2012, 13 and four, and then go on on into today with all the I buyers. I think that's what I felt has shifted the most in real estate is is just competition from larger buyers. And I don't have the statistic in front of me, but the number of, uh, the percentage of iBuyers that have, especially in Atlanta, is just mm-hmm. astounding of, mm-hmm. of all the houses sold that are being sold to institutional investors. And it, you know this is a topic I do actually want to get into. I haven't researched it as much as I want to, but there, there is a little bit of an unlevel playing field right now, mm-hmm. not just because they've got institutional money, but they're actually, some of the the debt financing that these institutional buyers are getting is government money at, at rates well below what we as the average consumer can get them at. Wow. It, yeah. And in fact, the AJC here in Atlanta did a, did an article on it here recently. And it was like, really? I didn't, I didn't know this. And I, I feel like it's probably worth a podcast because I feel like the general population should know this. Mm-hmm. You're at, part of the reason home prices are what they are, there's some competition with institutional buyers who are buying houses in your neighborhoods right out from under, underneath you using Fannie and Freddie loans at interest rates you can't get. So now they have an unfair advantage.
1: And why are they able to access such a lower rate? Just because the volume they're buying at, or
0: don't know. I mean, yeah, probably. But yeah, they've got you know special deals with these government entities. But I, that's why I want, I want, I, I want to come back. I want to research and come back and have an yeah. entire topic like a, a, a podcast on this because to me, it's it's important that we be talking about these things.
1: Well, I think the other thing I think a lot of people wonder is what are these institutional? What is their plans? The institutional buyers? What are they? I mean, at some point are they going to dump all these homes back into the market? Are they going to hold them forever? Are they renting them? Do they just let the houses sit empty? Like what? What is yeah, it? They're and rent, not the main a crystal ball, but yeah, what's they rent them,
0: and that's funny. That's been the same question for the last ten years. What are you going to do with them? And they they rent them, and they create some some amount of yield, and they have investors that they're you know paying yield on. And then uh, I feel the ones that have gotten out have tra- really traded amongst themselves. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got a, a big tranche of houses and you, and you decide you want to sell your Atlanta portfolio, then they would sell them to another institutional buyer rather than parting them out and selling them individually, you know, to, to end buyers. Right now, they're just sort of being traded in this institutional realm, not not in the open market. And to
1: an extent that's reducing the housing market it, that's sure. adding more rentals to the market and decreasing the number of available properties by, by a small percentage but it does right. it does impact the availability of housing
0: yep yeah it's it's like I said I think it's worth us dedicating a podcast to that maybe we'll bring on a, somebody that knows the space a little bit more who, who can speak to it but you know the little bit that I've read up on it we should probably be a little bit more upset about it
1: <laughs> <laughs> well let's plan on let's plan on in the next couple of weeks bringing that back as a, as a topic.
0: Yep. Hey, so today um, I thought we would talk about rather than bringing on a guest, I'm going to talk about specifically a strategy that we've been using in our business um, here for the last couple of years. And even here just in the last couple of weeks, I've got a number of these types of deals going on and they've been highly profitable for us. And they work really well in our market where it's a little bit more affluent, a little bit more competitive, harder to find a really discounted house by itself. And it's a, it's a, it's a way where we've been able to find and extract value and actually get some really sizable um, profits on, on deals. Uh, And I don't have a, I don't necessarily have a name for it. Like everybody puts a name on their strategy this is the whatever method so i didn't put if, nice
1: if there's idea. not a name you should create it like this is an opportunity right you know slap something
0: on it all right well, we'll let's I'll, I'll kind of walk you through what it is and then maybe at the end you and I will have to come up with a cool name. like
1: everyone knows about the burr method right yeah. so you, you need to have the exactly. right. senior right. method or something
0: well and we're going to have eric brewer on here in a couple of weeks so that's the brewer method you know doing novations yep.
1: novations so right
0: There's lots of different names out there for different strategies. And I don't know of anybody that's really put a lot of content out there to this strategy. But again, it's one that, that we've sort of fallen into and have had a lot of success with over the last several years. And even like I said, even now in this market where for us, deals are still kind of hard to come by. We've been able to make deals out of deals that maybe the general public doesn't view as a deal.
1: Yeah, well, and there's a there's one this week, right? The closing that's a that's a pretty awesome thing. Two right? this week,
0: actually. Two one that we're yeah one that we're flipping this week, and another one that we're doing. It's usually it's a it's a couple step process, so mm-hmm. it sort of depends on what step you're in. So let's let's dive into it. Yeah. So the gist of of this model for us is is w- w- we have the benefit of having a new construction business. So mm-hmm. having a new construction business, being able to build a new construction house for us you know has given us given rise to the need to find lot inventory and where we are it's not necessarily easy to find lots either at least a, a developed lot occasionally you'll find an undeveloped lot here or there but by and large it's not easy to come by lots unless you're out there sourcing and developing your own lots and we've developed entire neighborhoods before it's not my favorite thing i we what we've found again being more of a boutique builder is that we like sort of the minor subdivisions and a minor subdivision would be like five houses or less mm-hmm. and when you do, when you do less than five houses, at least here in our County, um, being a minor subdivision, you don't have to do all the crazy infrastructure that you would do with a major subdivision. So we've done a major subdivision here before. It's like a 20 house neighborhood and, and it's, it's time consuming and it's friggin' expensive and it's lots of unknowns. And there's lots of cost overruns, but we're talking about curbs, gutters, mm-hmm. detention ponds, I mean, you're dealing with water. You're dealing. You're paving the road. It's all all of that that you know can add up into easily get you over a million, even on a small neighborhood, just in development costs. Yikes! And so then you then it's a you're talking a lot more money, a lot more time, a lot more unknowns. And we sort of found that, you know let's leave that to the bigger developers. But for us, especially because we live in a slightly more rural area north of Atlanta, that it's okay it's okay. There's lots of you know agriculture out here it's okay to be on a house that maybe has a gravel road people don't necessarily mind that not that it has to be gravel road but they also don't mind being on a you know on a one to two to three acre parcel with a couple other houses on similar sized lots especially if you're going to build you know a farm style house or a country style house that's really popular nowadays and it's popular where we live and so that's sort of our our business model on the new construction side is let's get a one to two to three acre parcel and build a really nice farm style house on it. Mm -hmm. But the trick is, so where do we source the land for that? And we've sourced it a number of different ways. And, and, And you don't necessarily have to be a builder to do this. Let me also emphasize that you don't have to be a builder. You can always just be, this could be a way of sourcing land for other builders. Mm-hmm. But what we found is a great way to acquire these types of properties and then and, and, and develop out these handful of lots is to look for houses that have land already. not necessarily just for parcels of land that are being marketed as land, but houses that just happen to be on land. So, How much land are you talking? Are you talking like at least ten acres? Or are you looking not necessarily? We're doing one this week that where it was a five-acre parcel, and and honestly, we just we're, we're basically subdividing out one lot to build on, so yeah. it could be that. But sometimes it's a seventeen-acre parcel, and it's you know there's an existing house, and and now you're you're getting a bunch of two and three-acre lots from it. Mm-hmm. So and anywhere in between. <clears throat> but one of the things that we look for is the ability to add value to the existing house as well. So a lot of times you'll finally get, like I said, like an older house sitting on some land because again, a house built in the seventies or eighties land was easier to come by land wasn't as expensive. So they happen to sit on a, let's call it 10 acres. They got an older style house. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they're selling it kind of, this is an older house. We know it's not worth as much, but when they list it or, you know, they perceive the value is they don't realize how much intrinsic intrinsic value is in the land itself, especially if the land was parted out. Anyway, yeah. so it's that same analogy as a car you know if you've, you've got a car in the junkyard the car by itself might be worth 300 bucks but if you went in there and took all the parts out of the car and sold the parts individually now it's a two thousand dollar car right it's the same concept with a piece of land and an old house on it that old house you know doesn't isn't attractive to a lot of people that like, i don't, I don't want to mess with that house and they kind of dismiss the fact that there's value in all that additional land that's there mm-hmm. and so let's call it an old house on 10 acres you know you go in there and you can one part out the house let's now let's subdivide this house out onto its own two acre parcel which leaves eight acres and now let's get four additional lots on those eight acres that now we got four two acre lots
1: how do you uh, so maybe just getting into the weeds a little bit how do you part out a property like how do you how do you do the subdividing of a,
0: of a piece of property like that so, I mean, the very first thing you do is make sure you got a good surveyor in the area that, you know, knows how to survey a property, knows knows the process. And a lot of surveyors, they this is what they do for a living. So they know the people at the county. They know the process. They can kind of hold your hand you know, through it if you don't know the process. Some of them are, have the engineering departments as well, if that's what you need. But usually the sub the, the process of subdividing. Uh, and, ho- and hopefully not rezoning. Honestly, we very rarely rezone either. Because again, we're, we're not trying necessarily to get high density. Yeah. Most na- f- folks come in and want to develop a neighborhood. They got to rezone it and get high density because they got to squeeze a bunch of houses in there for the numbers to work. Well, for us, we're sort of the antithesis of that. We want to let's build houses on big lots, big houses on big lots, where mm-hmm. all the other big builders want to build as many, you know, postage stamp style lots as they can. That's not what we're trying to do. And so, hopefully, we don't have to rezone, so you don't have to go through that process. You're really just getting the survey, and and then and then and depending on on whether you're you've got septic or you've got access to sewer, you know, you might have to get some soil tests done to make sure that the land perks, and that where it does perk, that you're subdividing in those areas. Again, it's not the end of the world. Find a good soil scientist that can yeah. do that for you. Work with your surveyor, and then march it into the county. Find out you know what you, what what other information they might need in order to subdivide it. But it's, it typically is easier than you would think. If you're not rezoning, you're staying within the existing ordinances, um, a few thousand bucks, I mean, to pay for your, your survey and your soil and, and whatever else. And bada bing, bada boom, you've got five lots. You've taken a, a, an old dumper house on 10, 10 acres and turned it into five different lots. And you've got a house now on two acres. And a lot of times we'll make money on that house too. Mm-hmm. So that just becomes a flip for us. You go in and you, you don't, you know, sometimes if, if, again, if we're just after the land, sometimes we just sell the house as is clean it up and sort yeah. of wholetail it, put it out there and let somebody else mess with, with, and
1: if you, know. you do it right, you're actually making money, you actually make money. You end up with all this extra land essentially for, for free, right?
0: I mean, you, I you so bought free, it, at price. But, but for sure below market. Yeah. So, I mean, that the goal is to, is to be into the land for well below market value. So you've created these lots you know, in in like, again, with this particular example, let's say we've got, we've got the house, a lot of times we'll just fix up, sell the house. And the goal is to just lower our cost basis on the other four lots, Mm -hmm. make as much as you can on the house, lower your cost basis on the four lots. And now let's say you're into each of those lots for 50,000 bucks. But if you were to sell those lots individually, they're worth a hundred to 150,000 bucks a lot. So then you
1: got to somehow figure out, okay, where's the road going to go, right? So you're, the surveyor is helping you with figuring out, okay, what's what's the access point or are there multiple access points? Then are you running utilities in as well, water and electricity? And you're not paving, it doesn't sound like.
0: It all depends. Again, if you're uh, – there's been some cases. We did, did one around the corner from my house where it was – there was road frontage for each of the lots,
1: so Absolutely. there was no road i mean that's
0: the ideal scenario right is when you can just subdivide it and they're already each of those lots already have access to the main road right then there is no putting a road in utilities are already on the main road those are sort of the slam dunk deals but if you have to put a road in um then you're you're talking development so you'd want to work with some you know developer or if you're if you could develop yourself where yeah you're bringing in some utilities hopefully the road's not too long you want to keep it as short as possible Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's going to be up to your county, whether they need you to pave it or not. Some, some will let you just, you know, deal with a little bit of water and, um, and leave it graveled. Again, It mm-hmm. just depends on your area. If, if even a buyer would be interested in having a property off a gravel road or not. But again, so you spent a couple hundred grand, maybe on development, maybe you're, you were in the lots for very little again, at the end of the day with, with a, a couple of developed lots, the goal is that each of those lots have a considerable amount of equity in them. Right you know, 50 to hundred grand, you know, that you're just sitting on a lot. If you're a builder, it's great. Cause now you've got margin built into the land and to the house when you build. But if you're just an independent investor, you know, again, hopefully you're just, there's tons of builders looking for lot inventory. It's not going to be hard to find a builder that would want those developed lots, not at all. So again, then you're just making money on the fact that you've created this lot inventory now to sell to a builder.
1: Do you do, uh, do you, uh, Pretty much do all the building yourself or do you work with other builders as well? Uh for the most
0: part we do our own building. Yeah, yeah. If we've if we've created lot inventory, then we just we just save them for our custom home buyers. And occasionally we'll do specs, but we don't even do that many specs. But for the most part, you know, we've got folks folks that come to us that want to build a custom house with Red Barn. Mm-hmm.
1: And you guys are doing a lot of uh Country style homes, right? And you're doing some historic type homes as well now.
0: We do a little bit of everything. It just kind of depends on what the market wants. Obviously, the farmhouse has been super popular for the last several years. So people still want farmhouses. Um, mm-hmm. but we've built some other interesting four square craftsman looking houses. We've got we've got some in town modern houses, very urban with a rooftop living. We've got a little bit of everything. It just depends on where the where the lot is and what the what the market wants. But you know, we're we're builders, we can kind of build whatever based on what the client wants, what the needs are.
1: So then talk a little more. How do you find these sort of deals? Is there a special way to track down these these sort of operations? Is it a lot of door knocking? Are you
0: doing a specific type of search? Yep. Great question. It's all the same things that you would do if you were targeting off market properties. Here's the great thing, though. There's on market properties. I was just on the MLS today, this morning, just kind of perusing to see what's out there. Because... Again, sometimes you'll just trip over these deals. So this is kind of one of those opportunities where an MLS still can actually turn into a real deal for you because somebody's undervaluing the property because it's because the house is not in, in great condition and they're sort of undervaluing the fact that it's on some acreage. So you can actually find these things on the MLS if you're looking for them. Mm-hmm. If you're going off market, then you're just targeting houses on, you know, whatever the acreage is that you're looking for. Could be two acres, maybe five acres, 10 acres. Yeah. And you're and then that's who you either send your postcards to who you're calling who you're door knocking there's any number of ways to do it mm-hmm. but especially if you see a house that's a little bit dilapidated in in our area you, you you those sort of houses stand out these old yep. houses it looks like a 50 year old house it's kind of falling apart but it sits on some land that's a house you want to go door knock yep I'd walk right up there and knock on that door and just and if they're not there if the house is abandoned then you do just a little bit of research and you just skip trace the person, figure mm-hmm. out where they live. What I found, too, is a lot of times when we've done that, that person is local. They've got this house. It's just sitting there. It's kind of dilapidated. Maybe it's sitting on some land. You skip trace them. And uh, so many of the times they just they still live, you know, within 30 minutes of the house. Mm-hmm. And so if you're really if you're really a go getter, I mean, you can call them, you can skip trace them, get a number and call them. But if you're really a go getter, man, I'd go knock on that door. Yep. And we've Drive done that 30 before. minutes. Drive the 30 minutes, show up on their doorstep. Yep. One of the lots that I built on a number of years ago. Um it was funny. I was actually chasing another lot talking to a lady and it didn't really work out, but the lot was next door and I was like, well, who owns this lot? It was an old trailer, believe it or not. Just mm-hmm. an old trailer, it was abandoned, it was disgusting. Well, I looked it up, figured out who it was, figured out where this little old lady lives. I mean, 30 minutes up the road, up in Canton, and went and knocked on her door and yeah. just said hey this is who i am got the scoop on this old nasty trailer lot it was sitting on an acre she ended up selling it to me for 30,000 so bucks sold me a one acre lot on the trailer 30,000 bucks and we built an amazing custom home on it nice yeah. nice i'm sure that
1: property was worth more than 30 30 grand but for her she got rid of it right i mean she dumped something that she wasn't using so
0: yeah yeah i mean honestly there it was probably worth a little bit more than thirty grand, but there was a lot of hassle too to demo the trailer, and it right. was it was really disgusting. I think there were some needles maybe at one, <laughs> one point in the trailer. <laughs> it was pretty gross, but maybe, demo all that. haul it out.
1: There, not really yeah, sure. Maybe, maybe, perhaps, maybe not. Not sure.
0: But I think knocking on doors, if you're if you're up for it, is man it, it puts you head and shoulders above somebody that's just calling or texting or sending postcards or whatever just go knock on the door, man. There's You'd be amazed how many people will strike up a conversation with you and you get the real skinny. It, but it just moved you to the front of the line. If multiple people are chasing this a particular deal and you went knocked on that door, it just moved you to the front of the line, hands down. It, it goes back to
1: it's a business of relationships. When you when you can meet someone, build a bit of a relationship, show that you're a real person, care about them, I just your head and shoulders above everyone else at that point.
0: That's right. Yep. You know, this conversation to me, it sort of leans back to, you know, what market are you in if you're in an area where there's uh, where deals are kind of hard to come by, but there are there are houses on land. You know, if maybe you're even just slightly rural, doesn't have to be that rural, just maybe slightly suburban, you know, not so not necessarily in a, in a highly densely populated area. To me, it's all about targeting what houses are you to, What in your area? What houses make sense to target? Mm-hmm. And again, for our business for our business model, what made sense for us to target, we target lots of different things too, but is houses on land because we just find there's not as many people playing in that sandbox. Yeah. So it's again it's well, just, scenario, where, where
1: there, there is land availability, you've got some, you know, construction resources to do new construction, and it's
0: still hitting the sweet spot as far as flips. And you know, even if you have no construction ability, no construction experience, how hard is it to go find a couple builders that would want to buy from you? yeah that's not hard you got builders all over the feet figure out who's building call them up make some relationships ask them if they're looking for lots guarantee that there's a, a handful of builders in any market looking for lots and then go out there and create the lot inventory for them yeah it's not hard to do i'm telling you it's yep. been, like i said we've always got a handful of these suckers going at any point in time yeah two this week two this week two right now yeah, two really deals cool. this
1: week yeah, yeah very real that were working very, cool. Yep. very cool yeah very cool all sorts of different ways all kinds of
0: different ways you can monetize deals in real estate so what do you think Kevin you come up with a good name for the uh for this method
1: uh we got to think about it. so it's, it's land it's construction it's subdivide no i don't <laughs> so i bet, i bet chat gpt
0: we should ask that. chat uh, let's get ai to name it chat yeah. gpt what would you name this concept
1: <laughs> here we go uh create uh Creative uh creative name label okay. for buying for subdividing
0: land. Come on, chat GPT, what do you got for us? And building houses. All right,
1: let me. All right, let's see what it says. Create a creative label for subdividing land and building new houses. All right, let's see what it says. Chat GPT typing. Pathway to your dream home, a subdivision of possibilities.
0: <laughs> Amazing and horrible at the same time. Wait, wait a second. What was that again? That was... <laughs> Literally,
1: this is what I came back with pathway to your dream home. Pathway to your dream home, a subdivision of possibilities. Oh my gosh. All right. That's horrible.
0: There you go. Subdivision of possibilities. Subdivision of possibilities. Uh.
1: No, we'll come nah, with we something good. Come on, it's coming on a future episode. We'll come up with a new name. And then you gotta write a book on it too. We gotta put this out there somehow.
0: Yeah. This would this we absolutely. It's funny, the bigger pockets books that are coming out are uh, are they more specialized and more niche, I feel like every year. You could absolutely come up with a niche book.
1: Yeah. Pathway to your dreams book. Pathway, no, a subdivision of possibilities. <laughs> subdivision of
0: possibilities.
1: <laughs> gosh. <Gotcha.
0: laughs> oh my gosh i guess you could just call it the subdivision method
1: yeah it's but yeah we got to come up with something better than that because there's a flip on the front end too i mean you're buying a house you're flipping the house you're subdividing yeah. property you're building on it so we need a nice good acronym like
0: burr yeah like bur that's a good acronym yeah we'll
1: all right a well good good assignment for the week
0: yeah, yeah come so up while with
1: you're me. out on the cruise as you,
0: you're floating through uh through the Mexican ports you got to come up with a good name that's a good thought couple margaritas, some time with chat GPT. I'm sure we'll come up with something good. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, well, I'm probably not going to talk to you next week because I'm going to be in Cabo. Have a great today. time.
1: I hope you have yep. an absolutely phenomenal time. Actually, I'll talk to you on Friday. We, we gotta, we, oh, yeah, we're got we gotta signing a up a new franchisee up on, franchisee on, Friday, on Friday. Friday. Yeah, so we'll yeah.
0: see. You're going to do that from San Diego. You're going to do it from the zoo or Sea World? you SeaWorld? You're gonna It'll do either island. be Sea World or the zoo. Yeah, either one. We'll see. You might have Shamu in the background while we sign
1: awesome yeah we got we got somebody joining us on friday so we'll do a big signing day from san diego at the zoo it'll
0: be good times all right man we'll catch up with you when i get back have a great
1: screen break enjoy your trip
0: good luck with your playhouse uh i will have fun all right see you man see friends thanks so much for making it all the way to the end of today's podcast if you or possibly a friend has any interest in learning more about real estate investing or opportunities with Red Barn Homebuyers, take a minute and head on over to redbarnhomes.com and check out our investors page or our franchise page. Or just drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Can't wait to see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm. So speaking of the subdivide formula from today's show, let me tell you about the property that Anita and I just flipped in Alpharetta. The house was on about 14 acres, but we subdivided off the majority of the land to build on, but we kept the original house on a two-acre parcel. While the house was really beat up and needed a complete gut job, Well, we were lucky enough to work with our friends at Carndean to find the perfect luxury vinyl plank flooring for this house. Now, I'm not sure if you guys have kept up with all of the advancements in LVP, but let me tell you, it's probably not what you're thinking. These were 7-inch wide wood plank floors that legitimately looked like hardwoods and have incredible durability. In fact, they come with a 15-year commercial warranty. Now, if you've got a project coming up or you're looking to put LVP in your own house, I strongly encourage you to take a look at Carndean's Corlock Reserve line of LVP flooring. I guarantee you won't regret it.